Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. I am Tom Reed, your host and moderator, uh, joined as always by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari, our two fine Penguins writers at DK Pittsburgh Sports. A little bit later, we will be joined by former New York Rangers general manager, Neil Smith, also of the NHL Network, former of the NHL Network, uh, to give kind of his look at, at some, some historical uh, perspective on Rangers-Penguins. Uh, kind of what's going on with the Rangers today, uh, division rival, and just some, maybe some talk about the, uh, the Penguins as well. Uh, but uh, let's let's get into our first discussion today. And David, reading your story, um, you 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 had a story today uh, on the site uh, about you know are are the Penguins can they bring in any more uh, free agents? And they're probably not shopping, as you as your headline said. But there are guys out there remaining available. And we always I'm guilty of this too, just using the term cap strapped and and not really really thinking what it means. And I thought you did a really good job of articulating today just where their situation is. And Dave writes, uh, percapfriendly.com, the penguins have $121,975 of space remaining based on a 23-man roster. That means they would have to come up with nearly $600,000 more simply to sign a guy from the league minimum. Uh, for a team that is trying to contend for the for a Stanley Cup and believes their window's still open, Dave, that's not a lot of room to play with. Uh, no, it probably, I don't know that it would cover the sales tax on a league minimum contract. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, if, if they're going to bring in any additional personnel, which they obviously have still not addressed uh, their expressed interest in getting bigger and tougher, uh, you know, there, there will have to be some, some guys moved out, uh, probably guys making more than the league minimum. Yes, and this is, uh, Ed Taylor, this is where you normally mention a possible trade for Marcus Patterson. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, the roster as it stands right now, the the 23-man roster, it, it's someone Cap Friendly has together. That doesn't even include, like, Ricola on the 23-man roster. Like, that includes him buried in Wilkes-Barre. Um, Dominic Simone in Wilkes-Barre, who I, I mean, that one I think is, I think is a given. Um, the only real flexibility they have is um, 
without you know risking losing a guy to waivers uh, other than you know those two or Zahorna, um, he can go down and that he's league minimum, so they could sign a guy for a league minimum that way. But that's not going to like really address some of the needs you have. Um, so it would have to be you know moving out one of the defensemen, you know Pedersen or Matheson. Pedersen is younger; he has more, um, he has less term, and he makes less money. So I think that would be the easier one to move out of him and Matheson, which is why, you know, we keep going back to him. Um, and I mean, his $4 million, even if you, you know, take some of, if you don't unload $4 million in a trade to get, to get rid of him, um, even just some of that, maybe you could go out and get, um, you know, like a, like a CC replacement. Right. Uh, in, in reading Dave's story and then, you know, uh, having Neil Smith on the, on the show, Neil, Neil's, um, uh, Neil, uh, again, was the longtime general manager of the Rangers back in an era when uh, there was no salary cap. Uh, now, he, I think he proudly tells you that, that, the, that the team that finally won the Stanley Cup with the Rangers didn't have a free agent on it. Uh, but but it, it got me thinking, uh, Dave and Taylor, uh, about the situation the Penguins find themselves in in the Lemieux era. Or I'm sorry, in the Crosby area. And the Crosby era started – uh, after the lockout that cost them an entire season and brought in the salary cap. And we, uh, just to give you guys some background, we were, Dave and I were going back and forth on Slack about uh, this kind of hypothetical question I posed. Is It basically is, is it possible the Penguins could have maybe won or could still win another cup or two cups somewhere in this span since Sidney Crosby came on if there was no salary cap today? In other words now is the time where the Penguins would probably love to be able to spend at least a little bit more money to bring in guys. And, and you have to know that there are guys that would that would welcome the opportunity to play with a, a Malkin and a Crosby and a Latang and those type of players. Uh, Dave, I'll start with you since you had the first thoughts on this. Uh, would this have helped the Penguins during the salary cap era had there not been a salary cap win another cup or two? Well, I, I mean, my original point to you was that I don't know that they would have won a first cup if there hadn't mm, been a, yeah. a salary cap. Uh, you pointed out that, you know, their, most of their talent was, was homegrown, you know, Crosby and Malkin, and Flurry and Orpic, you know, a lot of guys who figured in, especially on that, that first cup, you know, were, yeah. were draft choices. However, you know, the, uh, a, a significant piece of the, of the 2009 Cup team was Sergei Gonchar, who was signed as a free agent. Uh, do we really think that somebody like the Detroit Red Wings or the Rangers, who had spent decades, you know, throwing around big money, uh, you know, wouldn't have outbid the Penguins for Sergei Gonchar? Uh, and without Gonchar, do the Penguins win that first cup, uh, you know, of the Crosby era? Right. So, I mean, if you want to assume that the the Penguins and Blackhawks teams of, of the past decade, you know, won their cups and, you know, and as soon as they did, the salary cap ceiling magically disappeared. Uh, yeah, then, you know, those would have been two very attractive teams uh, for free agents to join. Uh, both ownership groups, have, you know, proved willing to spend to the cap ceiling and presumably would have gone above it you know, if they hadn't been constrained by the collective bargaining agreement. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't doubt that the, the Penguins 
you know, would have won another cup or two, you know, had, had they been able to have the best of both worlds, but you know, that that's not the way things work. Right. And again, granted it, it's August, there's not a lot going on in the world and just trying to just, this is hypothetical, obviously, but Taylor in the real, back in the real world, we see a team like Tampa Bay. We see a player like Corey Perry, who we saw contribute uh, to Montreal's run, probably take less money uh, to join Tampa Bay. Uh, we're seeing that it, it, the guys who are looking for rings, who they're desperate to to win cups again or to win them for a first time, are are willing to take less. Imagine if all of a sudden that cap restraint had been gone, uh, taking joining a guy like a a, a Sidney Crosby and Malcolm in their primes in their twenties, uh, late twenties. Don't forget. There's a what uh, even my public school math tells me there was a seven year gap from 2009 to 2016 where they did not win a cup, didn't even go to the final in that stretch. I can't imagine there weren't weren't guys out there would have said, I think I could help them get over the top if you could sign me today. Yeah, I I mean, would Crosby and Malkin both of them even stuck around if if this were a like no no salary cap or even like a soft salary cap. I mean, you just think of like the NBA. They have a cap, but it's a very it's, it's a soft cap, and the stars move around and they like create super teams, you know, like all the time. Um, and you see those kind of big big deals. So like I don't maybe one of them Crosby, but would Malkin have stuck around? You know, the first time he hits free agency, if one of those big market teams, um, a bigger market than Pittsburgh, would have thrown a bunch of money at Malkin and uh, you know, another more superstars, would he have stuck around? I'm, it, it's not just as simple as would they have wanted to join Crosby and Malkin because if if it's not a cap, who, who says they could have kept Crosby and Malkin in the first place? Right. Yeah. And uh, let's not lose sight of the fact that Tampa Bay is operating under the same basic setup that, you know, that the Penguins were you know, after, after they won their cup in 2009. Players did have the option of joining that team, you know, for less than market value, had they been so inclined. You know, there, yeah. there, there was nothing that prevented uh, somebody from doing what Corey Perry did. Uh, this Corey is- Perry's career earnings are $89 million, so I don't think he he's a martyr for taking a million dollars to join the No, no, but he, had, but he certainly had options. He, he, he certainly, did, but... He uh, certainly- Two years Certainly. Tampa, full no trade clause. Like that, he still has a pretty good deal over there. Yeah, well, without question. And again, all these guys, uh, we're going to come up on a subject here in a second. Uh, these guys are all well compensated uh, for what they do. Um, I do believe, and I agree with you, Dave. I, I do believe there may have been, an, they may have been able to find a way to win another cup, especially here later in the last couple of years, had they been able to go out and exceed the, the money you could bring in, even in trades. Uh, now, nowadays, to make a trade, the money has to work. If you're a cap, especially if you're a cap team, the money has to. You can't just go out and trade for a Jack Eichel. The Penguins could not do that unless they ship corresponding money uh, to make it work. And if you if that was taken away. I do think that 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 the Penguins and this group, uh, I think they would have gotten another cup. To your point, Taylor, you you bring up a very fair point about the NBA. 
uh, and about way the way some players do it. But I will say this. I think Sidney Crosby strikes me as the type of guy, and even with the way – we're kind of leaning toward this topic anyway – even with the way that I think he took less or did not take as much as he could possibly take uh, when he signed his last deal to – help keep the team together and maybe help lure guys in. Uh, but it's a fair point. And, and again, I don't know if Malkin, we don't know this, but you know, may, maybe Malkin would have decided I can make a lot more money playing for the LA Kings, the New York Rangers. Uh, and, and I won't do that. And of course, ador- endorsement deals come into this play in, into this. Tr- correct. I mean, some of these guys can go places and make more money if they're playing in Broadway or if they're playing in a no tax state. Uh, than they can in, in 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 Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I think yeah, I think a, a no tax state is is more important for a hockey player than endorsements. You know, Crosby I think has made an awful lot of money off of endorsements, but he, I think he's an exception among hockey players. You know, I, I don't know that there are many Rangers who make that much money. You know, doing endorsements or right. you know, Kings. Uh, or Blackhawks, for that matter. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's not like playing baseball or basketball or or football in, in those cities. Taylor, did you want to add something? No, I, yeah, Dave, Dave covered it. <laughs> okay, well, that that uh, we're we're all we're all kind of drifting toward the, the other subject I wanted to discuss here in this first section of our show, and is the idea when you do take the endorsement deals out. Uh, of Sidney Crosby. And I think I've, I've felt this for a long time. I don't know if you guys agree to me. He's one of the most underpaid superstars in the sport, in the sports world. And when I say that, of course, I understand he makes an incredible amount of money. Uh, and we have to think of every, keep everything here in context. I'm talking about as an athlete, not as you and I, and you know, because first of all, we don't bring as much joy to the world as Sidney Crosby does. And Speak we don't for have, yourself. <laughs> we don't. We, we aren't in physical danger as much as Sidney Crosby is. So again, everything is is relative in this situation. I, I do think that this guy is is has been one of the most underpaid superstars in the sport. I'll go back all the way to to maybe a Gordy Howe when he didn't know what Ted Lindsay was making more money than him on the Red Wings. Uh, start with you, Taylor. Your, your thoughts on, on his career earnings and the fact that part of this has been to kind of try to keep this thing going in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, at the time, there's this idea that he took less, and I don't think that's true. Um, the you know, $8.7 million, when you look at that in terms of what percentage of the salary cap um, he took that's roughly it's almost the same as what like like Matthew's deal is right now. Um, it's just that the salary cap has gone up, so he he could have opted for a shorter taken more as the salary cap went up, so that's what he could have done. But at the time, the 8.7 million, um, again, it was you know the same percentage of some of the higher deals we see now, so at the time, it's not it's not really taking less. He could have. Um, like yeah, the shorter deals, but I I don't know if he would have wanted that. Uh, I, I I think he would have wanted the he want he wanted the security. So, um, <laughs> I think it's a myth that he took less. <laughs> Dave, um, no, I mean I think he did take a bit less than he could have. I I want to say that the limit was 
20% of the team's cap hit was allowed to go to one player. Uh, it's not an issue that's come up with the Penguins much in recent years. Um, I also think that, you know, the, the amount of his annual compensation, you know, 8.7 million, you know, factored into that somewhat too, just because of his superstitions are, you know, around the 87 number. Right. Um, but I, I mean, if your point is that, that he's a pretty good bargain, uh, with the, uh, bang for the buck that the penguins and for that matter, the entire hockey universe gets out of him. I, I would be inclined to agree. And, you know, Gordy Howe, I believe his signing bonus when he joined the Red Wings was a Red Wings jacket, as I recall. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he probably, uh, you know, came out a, a, a little better in that comparison than, than Crosby. But, uh, you know, if you want to bring up another, Mario Lemieux's first contract with the Penguins was worth a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Oh. Uh, you know, that's not bad money, and it was even a lot better money in in the early to mid '80s when when Lemieux got that contract. Um, but when you consider the value that he brought to the franchise, you know, it's uh, he he was ridiculously underpaid for from day one. Right. Looking at like the actual structure of the contract he's on right now, I mean, it's very front loaded. Like those first three years of it, he was making twelve million dollars a year. Um, yeah. So if you look at it that way, then you know, I mean, he's still making nine million dollars a year right now. These uh, the next last three years of his deal, he's you know, it's it's a it's a big pay cut because it is front loaded, but. Um, the the money he was making is still you know above really he he was making a, he was making a lot of money early on uh, sure. and if, he, in, just looking he, at the eight point seven yeah if he I mean if he can't get by on on his hockey earnings <laughs> and endorsement money you know he does have the option of becoming a writer you know if he needs <laughs> you know more income than than he gets now and you know I, I wouldn't appreciate the competition. Um, but you know, he, you know, he does have that right, I suppose. Yeah. And I guess the other thing with, with, with Crosby and I think, so when did he, Taylor, when did he sign the contract? His last, his current deal? He, he signed it, uh, in 2012 and it started 2013, 14. Okay. I, I think part of it, when you get into some of these other guys and, and I'll include Connor McDavid in there, by the time he signs this contract, he's already played in two Stanley cups, uh, as one, one. Uh, I don't can't remember when he was a league MVP, but I guess he he is already he had kind of really proven that he was at the time he was the best player in the game. I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm missing one other person. We always talk about Ovechkin and him being kind of in the same. We always compare the two, but uh, he was uh, to me the best player in the game at that time. And you're right, Taylor. He was he was comp- very well compensated as other players have been, as, as you, you brought up a great point about Matthews. I just think the point with him is that he's won, and he's won consistently. He's got three Stanley Cups. That's where I go with the idea that he is, to me, one of the more underpaid players. Again, if you can say $8.7 million a year is underpaid. Um, all right. And uh, Tom, uh, side, note, side note, Tom, just, I mean, honestly, if you were offered – the career and impact that Crosby has had compared to that that Ovechkin has had, is it really that tough of a call between the two? 
No. Okay. Yeah. I. I mean, I don't think so either. I. I yeah. I mean, it's just, and not only. And this is again. This doesn't get into. This may get more into in the endorsement side of it. But look at the international. I mean, again, the Pittsburgh Penguins aren't paying Sidney Crosby to win gold medals and World Cups and Olympics uh, for Team Canada. But my goodness, uh, when you put when you throw that body of work in there, along with the three Stanley Cups, it has been an amazing, amazing run. Uh, Crosby's uh, career earnings are actually higher than um, Ovechkin's, by the way. Okay, so. now he they came in the league at the same time, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Crosby's made 129. Ovechkin has made 127. Now these this next deal, <laughs> that's when like Ovechkin probably overpaid for this next deal. Crosby, I don't know if he uh, he's gonna Ovechkin's gonna pull ahead um, in the career earnings um, because Ovechkin is making 9.5 million for the next five years, and I don't think Crosby's gonna want that uh, or could expect to get that when his deal expires. The next one. Um, but yeah, right now his his career earnings are higher than Ovechkin's. All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to go uh, complete our week's uh, journey around the Eastern Conference. Uh, we're going to uh, look at the comings and goings of each team in the Atlantic Division and uh, see what that may portend for these teams uh, in the 21-22 season. Stick with us here on the 66 to 87 podcast. The 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, those who listen to our show that we posted on Tuesday morning uh, know that we kind of went through uh, the Metro, the new, the new old Metro division, and kind of looking at the comings and goings of each team and how that might impact the season uh, coming up. Obviously, there's still a little bit more time to make some moves, but we just wanted to kind of take a look at it for ourselves. Uh, before we start adding some guests on here as we get closer to training camp. Uh, today, we want to kind of complete the Eastern Conference by looking at the Atlantic Division and uh, start, guys, with the uh, with the Boston Bruins. Uh, you know, they did lose a couple of players. I think, t- for me, you know, a, a guy that they lost that was most probably – Nick Ritchie, I thought, was a, a pretty good player. Uh, he's gone. Uh, they were able to sign Taylor Hall – um, who had already been traded uh, late last season. Uh, Taylor, your thoughts on this team going into this coming season? Uh, a little bit like the, the the Penguins, an older team trying to hang on and keep their window open as, as long as possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you left off David Krejci. David, losing David yes, Krejci yes, going yes. back home, that's the biggest thing. Yes, um, good point. I, th- I think they're in a pretty good situation with their goaltending. Um, that's the one thing that stands out with them. They did get Allmark. Um, they do have a really good young prospect coming up in Jeremy Swayman. Obviously, Tukarask, he's injured. He's probably not coming back until January if he comes back at all. Um, he's unsigned, but what they've talked about is that, you know, they can bring back Tuka if, you know, he's healthy enough to come back. Send, they said, you know, you send Swayman down to the minors. He's waived at waivers exempt, and then, have Omar and Tuka as your tandem, and that's um, that's pretty good considering all the goaltending moves around the league this year. Um, they still have the potential to have a really good uh, number one and two. Dave, yeah, I mean, I I think they're a lesser team than they were, you know, 
in these past playoffs. I, you know, David Krejci is a huge loss. I mean, I think he was a a really underestimated piece of that team. Um, I also, I, I really like, he's, a, he's only a role player, but I really like Sean Corrali, and I, I think they're going to miss him. Um, you know, Richie that they got from Anaheim, I don't know that he ever lived up to being quite the player they hoped he would be, but, I, you know, he's a significant loss. Uh, you know, I, I don't think the Bruins, you know, as of mid-August, are quite the team they were at the end of last season. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you guys are both right on. I, I think they're, they're – again, they're kind of like in where the Penguins, I think, are right now. They're, they're, they're still – you can't rule them out, but I, I don't see that they've they've improved themselves, at least to this point. Uh, oh, speaking of which, <laughs> Buffalo – Buffalo is our next team. I don't even know where to begin here. Um, uh, you know, you, again, you, it's hard to even look at Buffalo without knowing what is going to end up happening, uh, what ends up happening uh, with their star center. And Taylor, if Jack Eichel, with Jack Eichel leaves, maybe they get some pieces, parts for, I would think was, they were with younger uh, what do you see w- with the moves that this team has made? They lose Sam Reinhardt in a deal. Where, where are where are these Buffalo Sabers right now? Yeah, I mean they're obviously rebuilding. So moving out, you know, some of those guys, Rasmus Ristolainen, and just I don't know, gets makes <laughs> they get a better draft pick next year again because I mean they are they're not going to be a contender for a while. Jack Eichel is the biggest thing. Um, but then also they are $7 million under the cap floor. So they're going to have to take on salary. So whatever happens with Michael, you might see them retain some salary just because they have to spend money to, to be cap compliant. But um, I mean, not a whole lot to say about, you know, their additions. I thought the, their goaltending was funny. It was what, like the first day or it was like the, they didn't have a goaltender at all for like the first day and a half of like free agency. And then it's like late at night, they announced like Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell for like a both league minimum. Um, this is, I mean, this isn't going to be a team that's going to be a contender. Um, happy for former Penguins prospect, Ethan Prow, who signed with them. He's never played in the NHL yet, but this is the best shot he's ever had. Maybe that Marcus would, that would be considered playing in the NHL. <laughs> that's, that's why he, he probably has a shot. Uh, well, as Taylor mentioned, they've got Dave. They've got they've got to get up to the floor. Maybe Marcus Pedersen. This is maybe he could find a home here. You guys have been trying to get Marcus Pedersen traded since this podcast started. I couldn't do that to Pedersen. Yeah, I mean his play last year aside. I mean Pedersen is an NHL defenseman. I don't know that he would fit in there. Oh, um, I mean, the, the best thing that could happen to the Sabres at, at this point in their existence would be to be relegated to the American Hockey League. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they, it's funny that they, they, the, the, them and the Browns have been seemed like they've been struggling as long as anybody in sports. And now the Browns look like they've finally got their act together and the poor Sabres have been left behind. And yeah, you're right, Dave. They might be at this point, they might have been down in the IHL or the ECHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they could have been relegated out of the A. But, man, you, you hope good people up there. You can only hope for better days, uh, and we'll see. Uh, another team that's kind of n- knows what it what it's like to struggle, at least after having a great run of success, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Now, the Red Wings, uh, 
showed some signs last year that, that they, they've made some improvements, uh, you know, and they've, they've made some deals this summer. Uh, Alex. Uh, go ahead, Taylor. Who's the goalie they added? I kind of like that. There you go. <laughs> they added them. Uh, Ryan. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that this team, while I don't think it's a playoff team, I do think that they are at least starting to go in the right direction. They added Nick Letty. Uh, Taylor, your thoughts on, on, on the Red Wings? Yeah, they didn't make a ton of uh, big additions or big losses either way, other than, you know, adding Nedeljkovic. Um, he'll be their number one. So they, they upgraded. Um, but, uh, yeah, not, not a whole lot of big moves to talk about with them. Dave, is, uh, I would I would assume you'd think that they're still a ways away, but your thoughts on on their on the on the Red Wings uh, rebuilding process? Well, I, unlike the Sabers, they they seem to have a pretty good plan in place there. Yeah. I think Steve Eiserman is, you know, methodically putting together what should be a, a pretty good team in a few years. You know, they're they're drafting well. I you know I think he's made some pretty good player acquisitions. I don't think they're a uh, a playoff contender yet, but unlike the Sabers, I, I think uh, the Red Wings clearly are are moving in a positive direction. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, we had George Richards on the other day from Florida now to talk about the Panthers. I think this is an, a real up and coming team. Uh, not a ton of moves in the off season. They added uh, Sam Reinhardt, a, a player I really like uh, from Buffalo. Uh, Joe Thornton. The ageless Joe Thornton uh, is signed on there, and uh, again, Taylor is 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 kind of what's going on with t- t- uh, this team in, in Florida. Kind of going to come down to how good of a goaltending they get, maybe from a Spencer Knight, or if, can Bob finally kind of get it together in the playoffs for them to really take the next step? Yeah, I mean Spencer Knight uh, when he came in last year, that's a very limited sample size at the NHL level, coming right out of college. But he did really well in that role. So uh, this is another team that uh, really wasn't hurt hard by the expansion draft because they did lose Chris Reeder. That that's who Seattle took. But then that just opened up a spot for for Spencer Knight. And if the Spencer Knight continues the way that you know he really finished last year, even if Bobrovsky isn't you know a ten million dollar goalie, that's still a pretty good number one, number two. Dave, uh, your thoughts on the Panthers? Well, I, I think the uh, the biggest endorsement for the Panthers uh, and their short-term prospects uh, came a couple of days ago when Joe Thornton signed with them. Uh, you know, Joe Thornton wants to win a Stanley Cup and, you know, uh, decided that, uh, you know, the, the best possibility for him, for him to do that uh, is the Panthers. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to be a cup favorite, but I think they're going to be a, a real force in the league this year. You know, Reinhardt was a nice addition. They didn't lose anybody of great consequence. Uh, certainly nobody who couldn't be replaced. You get Aaron Eckblad back, uh, you know, that, that's going to be a team to be reckoned with. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the surprise teams, I think we'd all agree, one of the surprise teams last year, Montreal Canadiens getting all the way to the final, uh, really being uh, kind of overmatched against the Lightning in the championship round, but a nice season, but uh, kind of a really interesting offseason to say the least uh, from from the draft pick that they made in the first round 
to uh, some of the players that they lost. Uh, again, we, Corey Perry is an older player, but I thought had a, a real impact on that. Thomas Tatar is gone. Philip Danzano is gone. And what is uh, Taylor? What is our situation here with uh, some uh, Weber? Is Weber Weber's going to be out for a while? Correct. Uh, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, and then we'll carry Price too because that was uh, I don't I don't think if they announced the timeline for him, uh, but that was one of the reasons what what they left him exposed in the expansion draft. And that yeah. was kind of one of the deterrents for Seattle that because Carey Price did have to have surgery. Um, I don't think there is a timeline for Weber. It sounds like they don't know if he'll play. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think his future is in he's doubt. Is in, in yeah. doubt. Yeah. So this is a team that again was a really a feel good story, especially if you're uh, a, a Canadians fan and 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 just somebody that wanted to see the. The, the the long the long streak end for the, the 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 Dominion of Canada last year, but this is a team that I I, I don't know, Dave. I, I I could see these guys taking a step back this year, for sure. Yeah, they it, it really is tough to get a read on them. Not only with the injuries to key guys, but there there was an awful lot of personnel turnover, guys in and out, you know, during this you know, off season. So. We'll have to see all of the uh, the pieces mesh and how the holes get filled. I just looked it up. Carey Price, he's expected to be back in October. He did, but he did have knee surgery. So, yeah, it's yeah, it again it, a great story last year. The, the Canadians and they deserved it. They deserved to get to the front. They did not luck out, luck into anything getting there. But uh, yeah, they're they're a team to me and. That had a couple of good seasons. I and again, I like Philip Dantno a lot. Uh, to lose him to the Kings and free agency, I think that's where he ended up going, right, Taylor? Uh, yeah, Dino, yeah, the Kings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is a that's a tough loss. A good player. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, again, much like Buffalo, I'm not quite sure the uh, get to get a good read on our next team, uh, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, when you look at this lineup and what they have done, Taylor, uh, what, what, what jumps out to you? Well, with them, what jumps out is that like much like the Sabres, they're over $7 million under the floor. So they're definitely not done. They're going to have to take on salaries, add player somehow. Um, but yeah, they've, they've made a lot of moves. I don't know how much better it necessarily makes them, but I mean, what they added, uh, Delzato, uh, Pontus Auberg, he was a pretty good player for Nashville, um, back in what, 2017 was that, uh, he, he went overseas, the Penguins got him the captain trade, but they didn't sign him, um, but he, he went overseas, he came back, they got him he, after a pretty good year in, in, in Russia, so that could be a pretty good, uh, pickup for them, but, um, I don't know, it's hard to judge them when, again, there's $7 million, uh, under the floor. Dave, this seems like another year without the playoffs for Ottawa. Yeah, probably. I, I would put them somewhere between the Red Wings and the Sabers on the mm. you know developmental curve. I you know they've got some some pieces in place in Ottawa. Um, you know they still have a ways to go, but you know I think uh, at, at the very least they'll have the Sabers in their rearview mirrors this season. Uh, next team we've obviously talked about a lot with Tampa Bay. That Tampa Bay becomes like the team that tries to do what the Penguins 
uh, fell short of in 2018, which is to three-peat. Taylor, some moves here and there. They lose Savard. They lost some of their other kind of grit. That third line that was so good uh, has been torn asunder. Uh, they're all three members, I think, are gone. Uh, but so much, so many good players still left on that roster. Your thoughts on, on their chances and making another run at the Cup? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think a three-peat uh, would have been hard even with the roster. You know, they had just because of the grind the last two years and the amount of hockey, like, condensed schedule uh, is hard. But, yeah, with the, with the players they lost, that's really tough. It does open up, you know, spots for – uh younger players like like Matthew Joseph Matthew Joseph didn't get to play a whole lot the last two years at least in the playoffs but when he did play he was really good so um uh, someone like him uh he could be a good because uh, I mean he's what league minimum I think um they have younger you know cheaper players who could step up and um you know have have bigger roles with them yeah Dave again and the entire this the Yanni Gord uh uh, Barkley Goodrow, and uh, who am I missing on that? Blake Coleman. All Coleman. three of those guys gone. Savard gone. Tyler Johnson. Yeah, I'm sorry, Blake Coleman. Uh, and Tyler Johnson, David Savard gone. Uh, they did lose a lot. Again, we, we mentioned that Corey Perry is joining the team. Uh, your your thoughts on, on this on, on this chance, team's chance to go three years in a row or at least even get back to the final? Well, I, I mean, I think you could build a playoff team out of the guys that they've lost this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're a, going to be a contender again. I, I don't know that they'll be a favorite just because of the fatigue factor and, and things like that. But that's still a pretty formidable collection of, of talent that they have. And, you know, you add veterans like Perry and Zach Bogosian, you know, they'll uh, – you know, their, their lineup won't be as imposing as it was in the past season, but it'll still be pretty darn good. Uh, yeah. Uh, Taylor? Yeah, I, I think that they'll, they'll be a playoff team. I, I don't think they're going to win the Cup again. <laughs> right. Uh, and speaking of not winning again, again well, we round out with the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, team that's been waiting since, what's it, Dave, 67 yeah, sixty-seven. Your rookie year on the beat. Uh, it uh, has it been my fifteenth year, but uh, you're close. <laughs> uh, you know what? The, the thing that strikes me about this, and this this goes back to our conversation in the first segment about having to pay, starting to pay your players, uh, and, and and with when the Penguins situation, I think they had. Uh, help me out here, guys. They had already won a cup. By the time they had to start paying their their players, right? Sydney on his second deal, Evgeny Malkin on his second deal, or they were right in that that neighborhood bridge contracts, or where were they? Uh, Crosby's already making eight point seven when when they won the cup. He, the year, yeah, that that was that first year of that contract. First year of that contract, and they had been to the final the year before. I guess yeah. this is maybe a little bit of a long winded way to say what Toronto has done is ended up giving uh, their they are so top heavy. The, the team is so top-heavy with the players that they have, the stars that they have, Marner, uh, Austin Matthews, as who uh, Taylor just mentioned is going to be the, the cover boy again for the video game. Is that correct, Taylor? Yeah, for the second time in three years. That's a joke. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but the, 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 the thing is, is 
when you do when you when you pay players, and we we saw Chicago do this with the, some of their their stars, they were at least winning something or were very much on the verge of winning something. With these guys, they haven't won anything, and yet they're they're in they're in cap ish. They have cap issues. Taylor, what is going on with this with this Toronto team? Uh, it's a great question. I mean, you look at yeah, you know, like you said, the percentage of their cap that's going just to you know three guys. Um, Matthews, Tavares, and Marner, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, so they don't have a lot to spend on those depth pieces. Um, their goaltending, I kind of a step back. What they lost Anderson and, and Riddich, uh, they have Mrazek and Jack Campbell. Um, they, they, they don't really have a great number one goalie, but yeah, their, their depth pieces, you know, kind of after you drop off of those, you know, those top three forward guys, um, it, it, it's a big drop off because they just don't have the money money to spend, and uh, they're you know kind of right up against the cap too. Dave, we're gonna we're gonna talk to Neil Smith here in a bit, and we're gonna ask him the same question as far as you know he, he was able to end the the the, the, the drought with the Rangers. Uh, uh, how do you end this drought with Toronto? What's it gonna take for these guys to finally finally <laughs> win a cup, win a couple of rounds? An act of God. <laughs> I mean, when you look at this team, is is there a do you see a pathway to contention for them, or what do they have to do to kind of get this thing straight? Well, I mean, when you have some of the individual talent, they do. You know, they they always have a chance. But you know, when when you're top heavy, to to use your term, um, you know, it's it gets difficult and you know they money cost them to lose some pretty valuable contributors you know losing zach hyman to to edmonton in free agency you know he was he wasn't one of the uh marquee players on toronto's team but you know he's a very valuable piece and i i think his absence will be felt they're still paying yeah. Phil Kessel 1.2 million next year. That's uh, that's, that's, a whole, that's, that's a whole player. That's the last year of that this retaining is, salary deal. But, uh, uh, this is the Bobby. Gonna, that's the Bobby Bonilla of hockey. No, the Bobby Bonilla is paid. the Bobby Bonilla is it was Rick DiPietro, but he was that's a client so he doesn't count towards their the Islanders cap. But I mean, they're paying him um, until like a a long time from now they're paying him until 2029 (laughs) all right when we come back we'll be joined by uh former rangers gm uh and former uh nhl uh network uh analyst uh, neil smith so stay with us Sixty-six to eighty-seven podcast, and as promised, we are being joined by Neil Smith, the architect of the nineteen ninety-four Stanley Cup champion New York Rangers team. You've heard him probably for years in his, his post uh, general manager career. Uh, many outlets work for NHL Network. Uh, still has his hands in the game. Neil, thanks for joining us. And how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, guys. It's nice to be back on a hockey show. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we feel fortunate to have you, Neil. Uh, they're the Rangers and the Penguins 
have had so many uh, really memorable series over the year, playoff series over the years. And I think from at least from a Pittsburgh perspective, the 1992 one probably stands out. Uh, given that the, the Penguins were trying to defend a Stanley Cup, the Rangers came in as the President Trophy uh, winners. Uh, they were up two games to one in the series, up two goals late in game four. Uh, your memories of that series and maybe from that loss, what did you guys learn that may have helped you then uh, win the cup in 94? I have vivid memories of that series. Uh, Craig Patrick, of course, is a very dear friend. And so, um, and he was even back then. Uh, but that series uh, with the Adam Graves slash on Mario's hand, uh, the Ron Francis goal from just uh, around where it said it's a great day for hockey, the speech by uh, Bob, Bob Johnson's widow uh, that motivated the crowd between periods, uh, Mike Richter blowing the shot by Ron Francis, and um, us uh, not being able to capitalize on a five-minute power play that we had. Um, had we won game four, which we should have by all rights, uh, we probably, you've got to think, up three to one, would have won that series. However, uh, the Penguins beat us in that game and then never lost another game all the way to the Cup. So um, I think, though, it was an invaluable lesson to the, to the team, to the organization, in that, um, that when we got into a position again of being uh, a contender the two years later, um, we, you know, we had that experience that we didn't want to have hap that happen to us again, meaning Mike Richter didn't want to blow another goal from outside the blue line and so on and so forth. Um, and although we had a different coach, obviously in 92 than we had in 94, um, the players, I think learned from it. And, um, I think that every organization that wins a cup, Go, you know, it, it gets dealt, um, you know, some adversity before they win that that cup, and and they have to learn how to handle adversity. Neil, obviously, you you know what the pressures of that job are in New York, and and the Rangers just made a uh, a, a significant change, uh, changing out their general manager, team president, uh, head coach. And uh, I want to get your a your thoughts on on the decision uh, to move on from uh, Jeff Gordon and John Davidson, and then also your thoughts on what Chris Drury, the direction Chris Drury has has started out as far as trying to add some of the some toughness to to to, the, to a team that looks pretty talented, but is still young and uh, certainly didn't lacked a little bit of that snarl last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel really bad for Jeff Gorton because I think, and, and Jeff Gorton did a really good job there. John Davidson, who I know really well because he was obviously with us with the Rangers when, and as the broadcaster when we won, when I was there for 11 years. Um, I know JD real well. He didn't get a real fair opportunity to make an impact. I mean, he was gone within two years of getting there, and he was, in a sense, going home when he went back to the Rangers. So um, that was a really, I'm sure, a bitter taste in his mouth and experience for him and his family. Um, I really thought that Jeff Gorton and, and was doing it the right way. And it was sort of scary to me as the only guy that's uh, been able to do it since 1940 that 
they might be able to do it if they kept going in that direction, you know, because they were building it the way teams nowadays have to build in order to win. We've seen it with Tampa Bay as the latest one. I mean, they built it slowly. They didn't, they didn't go and do it overnight. Um, and that's what New York always wants you to do. They want you to do it overnight. Um, I, I think that it was uh, a real tough thing on Jeff and John for that to happen as I don't know Chris, um, at all. So I certainly can't speak to his abilities or lack thereof. I think that the one thing that everybody thought about the Rangers was that they weren't a hard enough team to play against. And I'm sure what he's trying to do is make them a harder team to play against. Um, and, 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 and in getting those players, the other thing is, is that he changed coaches, which really shocked me because, um, I thought that um, uh, the their my name my my mind is slipping a bit. Tom, the, the previous coach um, uh, for the Rangers who got let go, David David Quinn, David Quinn, David Quinn, and David Quinn and Chris Drury are both, you know, sort of Boston guys. Like they're they're they, you know, uh, I and I think it really hit David Quinn hard because he didn't have a chance in the three years that he was there to make the playoffs. I mean, they were never a playoff contending team, really. Um, so he never got a chance to work with, uh, you know, a, a playoff contending team. Having said that, you know, if you want to make a change just because you want to get away from those years of missing the playoffs, I, Jerry Gallant's a friend of mine. Uh, I, I actually signed Jerry to his first player contract. Um, and I think he's done a good job wherever he's gone, particularly early. Um, when he's uh, uh, he's a great motivator, um, so I, I think the Rangers will have uh, probably have a good year this year. I don't think that they're ready to make the playoffs, but you know in today's NHL, any you know nobody can really say they know everything about what's going to happen. Um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. I think that I think that he had to he had to go and make a statement to the fans of why he's there, and what his statement is is that. Um, I'm going to make the Rangers harder to play against. Shifting gears uh, to the Penguins a little bit, uh, from your perspective, do you think they're still Stanley Cup contenders or do you think that window has closed after three straight, you know, first round exits? You know, I, I, I think that they are a team that's uh, still probably – one of the greatest draws in the league. Now I know I'm not answering Taylor, your question yet. I'm going to get around mm -hmm. to a real answer. I think that uh, Crosby and Malkin and um, uh, the rest of the, the group there. Uh, and again, you know, there's a couple other players that the Penguins have that are really fun to watch. And, and uh, I think they're going to be thought of as a contender still. Do, if, if you said to me, who's a contender in the league to win the Stanley Cup in 22, I don't think I would say the Penguins. I wouldn't put them in that group. I'd put them in a second tier. And if the first tier all got wiped out, somebody from the second tier would win, as we've seen happen before. But I don't think they're in the first tier, which I would say are the contenders, which are the obvious, the Tampa Bays of the world. Yeah, 
Uh, and then we we talked about this in an earlier segment on this episode, but we wanted to get your your perspective. Uh, has Sidney Crosby been one of the game's most underpaid superstars? Do you think? Well, I think I think as it turns out, in 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 hindsight or in 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 the rearview mirror, however you want to say it, I think everybody that's that's great at what they do ends up being underpaid compared to what people after them get paid. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, Sydney signed a long contract. He signed an, an excellent contract at the time that he signed it. Um, but if you look at what players are signing for now and their worth to not only their own team, but to the league, I don't think anybody compares to Sidney Crosby and what his value has been to the sport and to the NHL and, and of course to the Penguins. Um, and there are players being paid as much as him or more that can't, that aren't doing anything for the league like he did. Um, but that's where salaries have gone. So I can't say that he, I can't say affirmatively to your question that yes, he's been one of the most underpaid superstars, but I will say that based on what he's done for the sport and for the league and for the Penguins, it ends up that if he was being signed today, he would be getting, you know, way more than than what he's getting now. Yeah. Neil, you were a scout with the Islanders for the first couple of years of, of that four-year run of theirs in the early 80s. Uh, no team since then has been able to win even three in a row. What do you think the chances are that, that Tampa Bay will be able to do that? Uh, I wouldn't bet on them doing it, uh, but I'm not a betting person. Um, but I, I, when I say that, you know, I'm saying I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't bet you a beer that they'll do that. Um, because I think that too many things change the chemistry of teams today and it couldn't go as, as much as, you know, losing Yanni Gord. I don't know what he means to that team. i I'm, I don't, but I know that he was a big part of them, their playoff success. Um, there's other players that they've had to lose uh, through expansion, through different things. They're going to be replaced with other players. How much will that affect their chemistry? I mean, they still have the big cogs, yes. But, you know, often those Stanley Cups are won by the little cogs in the wheel every bit as much as the big cogs in the wheel. And um, it, without those little cogs playing those roles that you needed um, while the big guys were on the bench resting, you never would have got to the Stanley Cup. So it's tough in today's league. I mean, to do it twice, you got to take your hat off to the Penguins. You got to take your hat off to Tampa Bay. I didn't think I'd see anybody win it two years in a row. Um, to win it three, I mean, it would be just amazing you know when the islanders were winning the four cups and i was there for the middle two i watched the first one and i naturally paid a lot of attention to the fourth one because i was with detroit having just left the islanders you know if you look at those rosters from uh 70 uh 80 81 81 82 82 83 um very little changed like their 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 work their uh worker bees 
were on all the teams. Uh, Bill Carroll, for an example, won five straight Stanley Cups because he was on all four of those Islander teams and then was, I think it went on waivers to, to the Oilers, I think. It might have been in a trade. And then, of course, won their first Stanley Cup with them, which is an amazing stat, right, to win five in a row, four with one team and one with another. And yet Bill Carroll was just a small little cog in those wheels, but he was really important. Um, and, and, and that's what I'm talking about. It, it's, it was, there was so little changes in the teams of that era. You know, maybe the backup goalie, maybe the fifth or sixth defenseman, maybe a fourth line player, but you know, you kept all your important pieces year after year. And your Rangers, as uh, I think most people who follow the game are aware, ended a 54-year drought um, when you won the Cup in 94. Toronto is going through something like that uh, even as we speak. Uh, what's it going to take for the, the Leafs to finally win a Cup? And, and do you think we'll see it uh, in the rest of our natural lives? Well, yeah, I, I don't know if, if you guys are aware. I think you might be. that. That's my hometown is Toronto. And, um, you know, I very much watched the 67 Leafs win that last Stanley Cup. And, of course, at the time, um, I'm watching that as a little boy. Um, it was just natural for Toronto to win a Cup, uh, you know. And if they didn't win it, Montreal won it. And uh, the other three, or four, I'm sorry, the other four never won. Uh, it seemed like Chicago, Detroit, Boston, New York, they, they never won. Um, that was my childhood in, the, in, in that era. Um, you didn't ever imagine that they could go this long. One, one interesting thing is, I think if I do the math right, 1967 to, nine, to 2021 is 54 years. However, I, I, I remember watching on NBC this year them saying that they have a 52-year drought or something. And I'm going, like, the math doesn't add up. Isn't that 54 years? If, you know, I, maybe I got something wrong there. But, you know, I know 1940 to, to 1994 is 54 years. And the, the math works the same. But anyway, having said that, Toronto to win a Stanley Cup is going to have to um, make sure that, you know, have every piece in place. And they, they haven't been able to get every piece in place because, for example, um, they don't have that superstar goalie um, that most teams need to win a Stanley Cup. Tampa Bay definitely has a superstar goalie. That's, you know, uh, uh, Pittsburgh had a superstar goalie. Um, and, in fact, when they won the two, had had two superstar goalies, I think. Matt Murray was a, unbelievable to win two Stanley Cups as a rookie. Two as a rookie is unreal. Um, so I think Toronto's going to have to fill some holes. And it's really tough when you get high, high-end forwards like Matthews and Marner and others that you've got to pay a King's ransom to. You know, how do you go and get good players to play in those other roles that, that you really need? And you need, as good as Matthews is at scoring goals, you need a guy just as good at checking and shutting down the first line of the other team and in what he does. But you might not be able to get it because all your pennies are going to these high-end scorers. So 
I'm, I'm not sure about Toronto if we're going to see it happen. It's, I don't think they've got the formula right now when you look at the Tampa team and that formula that they used and Toronto's team. Well, maybe the maybe the Maple Leafs either need to hire Theo Epstein or, or Neil Smith. Uh, they know how to end long runs. Well, uh, Neil, yeah. thank you. I was going to just say I was I was just going to add to that. They had their chance, and uh, I it was down to me and John Ferguson Jr. And you know what history tells you. So uh, my mother, who's gone now, would have loved nothing more than to see her boy after New York come and be the GM of the Leafs right in town there, but that wasn't to be. So I, I wish them well. I always have, but I, uh, uh, they had their chance. (laughs) Okay. Uh, we're glad we had your, our chance with you today, Neil. Thank you so much for doing this. And that is it, uh, for this week on the 66 to 87 podcast for our guest, Neil Smith, uh, Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari. This is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you next week.